This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. Oh, this one's really long. <laughs> That's what we storytellers do. We restore order with imagination. We instill hope again and again and again. Nice. Today's feature presentation is Saving Mr. Banks from 2013. And what even is this movie? What is it, Katie? What's the deal? It is the movie about how Walt Disney got the rights to make Mary Poppins. Yes. That's pretty much what it's about. And it makes you cry, right? It is an extremely emotional movie for me because of pretty much, I mean, I'm already an emotional person already, but uh, it's a lot of it has to do with uh, the Walt Disney, Disney stuff since, you know, I used to work there and... Uh, a lot of the thought and feeling behind like what he wanted the park to mean, he puts a lot of that into this film. Like they show a lot of that in this film, and that makes me like overly emotional. So I cry every time I watch this movie. That's okay. I mean, but you like it. Like you say, it's good too, right? Yeah, it's a very good movie, and it does a great job of showing us how why it took so long for Walt Disney to get the rights to this film and it, this film was literally made and then Walt Disney passed away 2 years later so it's it's probably the most important movie that he wanted to make in his lifetime and he was able to achieve that before he died right so. and so this one is the story of that and it's it's interesting because the way it's structured is like two stories in one. So it's P.L. Travers, and she's the writer of Mary Poppins. And it's about her childhood growing up in Australia. Um, and then the other story going on is when she's not like old, old, but a lot older after she's written multiple books about Mary Poppins. And it's when she's about to sign over the rights to Mary Poppins. And it's really about Walt Disney convincing her to sign over those rights and be okay with it. And... She needs a lot of convincing, which is mostly what the movie is about. Um, but she pulls all of this stuff from her childhood to write Mary Poppins. And so she's super protective of Mary Poppins as a character and how that character is treated in film. Um, and then one of the really cool things that I thought about this movie is that most of the sessions that they had when she went to California to like workshop it with the writers and the songwriters and all of that, they actually recorded those. Like they have those on audio tape. And so they reflect that in the story here. But there's also a piece right at the end where they actually play back some of the like tape of her talking about it. And it's just crazy that they have that. I think it was a big way of how they were able to even make this movie is because they literally had everything that they needed to build a story of how much she didn't want to make this into a movie and then how they were able to compromise and figure it out and create the film. Yeah, it seems like those tapes were probably really good source material for whoever wanted to write Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So high level with this one. Very emotional for you, but good, right? Yes, I I really, really like this movie. Um Especially because, like, it had such an incredible cast on top of that. I mean, you have Tom Hanks, who's one of my favorite actors of all time, playing Walt Disney, who is an important person personally for me. And then you have, like, Emma Thompson. And then I'm blanking on other actors' names. But um, Colin Farrell is in it. And then uh, the guy who plays the driver, whose name I can't remember. And usually I'm the one who remembers actor names. But... 
like you have all of these like very like amazing actors that just work super well with each other and they make an incredible film so and also very emotional it is it's it's really good though like i just thought it was super interesting to see so much of like the source material and the making of and what went on behind the scenes and i always forget that this movie is also like really sad when it comes to some of the stuff from her childhood it's not like crazy super depressing like horrible horrible things happening to her it's not that movie but it is sad situations and it's frustration and it's you know it's stuff that happened in her childhood that had an effect on her later and that she's pulling from as she's writing the books and you know as she's thinking about the movie um but i really i love the making of nature of this movie because it still manages to be a narrative movie and it tells two different narratives plus the narrative of mary poppins is woven throughout the whole thing so it's almost like three narratives in one all while telling you this like probably not 100 percent true but like kind of close in some of the details um story about how it was made so i I just enjoy all of that yes me too (laughs) moments from the movie to highlight there's there's tons of stuff we could dive into what were some of your favorites i really like the stuff the stuff that happens in australia like i really like seeing the story from her perspective because um, a lot of that stuff is just different moments when she's remembering her childhood So you have those moments where she stands there and stares out the window and thinks about her family. And what I really, one of the things that I really like is that, um, that they don't understand really what the story is about. Like Walt Disney and the people that are trying to make the movie is they don't get it that it's not about Mary Poppins coming to save the children, that it's really about coming to save Mr. Banks and why he is so important to her. Because it wasn't until towards the end of the film where, like, they realize that Mr. Banks is her father and that she is one of the children that is in the story. So it takes a long time. And that's why they realize just why she was so overly protective and really difficult to work with, because it really is a truly personal story that they didn't really realize how personal it was until the end. Yeah. That, that That's kind of the core of it, right? It's called saving Mr. Banks for that reason. And it's, it's so interesting to like see the process and to see how, even though, Walt Disney loved it and like he was so passionate about it he just didn't get the core of the story um, until she kind of spells it out for them and I don't know the, the whole process was like there's a lot of moments in there that I really liked watching you know like them creating the music and um, Bradley Whitford's character which I don't know any of the characters names but I know Bradley Whitford because I watched a million seasons of the West Wing and um he's just fantastic at reacting to PL Travers and like what she's bringing. Um, he has fantastic reactions to it. And then, you know, she's like, she didn't want it to be a musical at all. So they have to convince her of that. And then they have to like talk her into all the music and she was very against the animation. And so when she finds that out, she kind of like flies off the handle about it. And yeah, it, again, it's that making of, but while still having it be this really interesting narrative that worked really well for me. And, one of the other things that I liked a lot was the driver character, which again, I don't remember his name or his actor's name either, but he ends up being this kind of, I don't know. It, she ends up saying that he is her favorite American, you know, that she actually likes him and they kind of find 
almost a friendship, but not quite. It's almost more of like an understanding between the two of them um, and giving them someone else that can kind of relate a little bit. And I liked seeing that whole relationship evolve over the course of the movie. I think that relationship, so like the the driver's name was Ralph and it was played by Paul Giamatti. That's who plays him. The relationship I think that they're using is is similar to the relationship that I think you're supposed to be seeing with Walt between Walt Disney and PL Travers is that they come to this sort of like understanding because they keep misunderstanding each other. Like the whole thing about the weather, about why he always talks about the weather, why he always checks the weather. And she just thinks it's a nuisance, but what she doesn't realize is that he checks the weather every day because he has a daughter who's disabled, who is in a wheelchair. And when it's bad weather, she doesn't get to go outside. And when it's good weather, she gets to go outside. So they build this sort of relationship once they start understanding each other and come to this like deep understanding of one another and like how similar they really are. Yeah, it's super interesting. And it it's such a good character development movie. Like a lot of the characters have time to develop and bounce off each other um, throughout the course of the whole movie. And I know one of the things you want to highlight before we jump over to like the good, the bad, that kind of stuff was when they visit Disneyland, right? Yeah. So um, I was working at Disneyland during the time that this movie was filmed there. So they actually closed down Fantasyland when they were filming that day. Uh, the part where they where she goes on the carousel, like I know the person who was working the carousel that day. I was working at the Matterhorn that day. So I was like standing outside of the Matterhorn, like sort of just realizing that like Tom Hanks is standing over there as Walt Disney. (laughs) And it, from what I understand is like during that day, he was kind of walking around the park, um, like dressed as Walt Disney to help himself, like get into character and like saying hi to people and interacting with them. And like, to me, that's a, like, I'm already getting emotional and I was trying not to, um, like it's really meaningful just because, Like, the idea behind, uh, like, Disneyland itself is that it's supposed to be this escape from reality. It's supposed to be this, like, place where imagination can flourish and be something more. And, like, the part that gets me every time is when they pull up in the limousine up to the front gate and the gate's open and he's standing in front of the floral Mickey, like, just inside the gates. Yeah. It's just, like... Like, it's Walt Disney, it's Disneyland, and it, like, has always had, like, sort of this, like, deep meaning to me as, like, all the time that I spent there. Like, it wasn't always the best, but, like, the reasons that he built the park were sort of embodied just in that, like, single moment. Because when the driver gets excited, he's like, oh, my God, it's him. Like, he's standing there. Like, that's Walt Disney. Like, that's the same like, kind of reaction that I had watching this movie. And, like, the same reaction that I have every time I hear the dedication speech because of, like, what it was meant. That's why, um, like, Tom Hanks was such a perfect person to play him because they do such... He does such an amazing job at keeping that integrity. And it just... Like, seeing him walk around the park and, like, seeing him on the carousel, which is an attraction that, like... I used to work all the time was like emotional to like watch in that movie. That's, I mean, that's good though, that like you have that emotional connection and it resonated with you and it worked that way. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's understandable. Like, you have this huge connection to Disneyland. So it's cool that, that you have that and you were there that day and you have, like, you know, uh, the f- almost firsthand experience with it. Maybe secondhand. You were, but you were, I mean, you were there. It was still firsthand. It was your experience, right? Yeah. It was, it's just, like, an interesting thing to know that, like, I was working that day. So, like, when I watched that scene, I was like, oh, my God, I was literally, like, standing there and like just feet away from where they were filming this like one scene that wasn't even that long so (laughs) that's super cool though that's that's really cool that you were a little bit of a part of this movie off to the side just off camera somewhere um yes okay so with all that being said let's get into the bad and the good um before we wrap up so the bad what's bad about this one katie um well i put that i should have cut my hair so i could be an extra in this movie (laughs) Because they put out a casting call for extras because all the the majority of the people that were in the movie during the Disneyland part were all cast members. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, like, I mean, anytime you saw anything remotely, like, Disneyland related, like, the characters, uh, like, when you see Mickey and them at the premiere and stuff, they, like, busted out those old school costumes that they still had. And, like, those were people that worked at Disneyland. (laughs) Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, so I should have, like, they wanted people to be extras, but they had said you had to have a bob haircut, and I didn't want to cut my hair, and I should have just cut my hair. <laughs> okay, well, you live and you learn. Yeah. Um, besides that, one of the things I thought was bad is that it's a sad movie. Like, it's it's sad. It hits on a lot of sad points. Um, You just have to be willing to deal with that going into it. And then the other thing that you typed in here, I noticed, too, was that like it's semi-real events? It's not a hundred percent, right? Yeah, I mean it's to a certain point it's real because like obviously they they encompass things that do exist like in our like in real life, and then they used all of the the recordings since we got a sample of that during the credits. So it is based on something very real. So it's just it's interesting. Yeah, like the broad strokes are there, but the details are probably off given everything we know. But there's enough source material that it's like, yeah, directionally, it's it's correct. Um, but good. I thought there was a lot of good in this movie, too. Didn't you? Yeah. I mean, I think the majority of it is really good. So was your highlight still Tom Hanks as Walt Disney? Uh, Tom Hanks is Walt Disney. And I thought that Colin Farrell playing Mr. Banks, like I've seen Colin Farrell in a lot of movies. He's one of my like favorite actors um i thought he did an incredible job playing mr banks and you get to see all the emotion that he goes through since he's like an alcoholic and then he ends up getting tb and like all the things that he goes through in his relationship with his daughter and like his trying to be a better father for her and then ending up not being that and it's just like that whole the whole family is just incredible and they did a great job acting and showing how emotional and how like detrimental that his one like that one thing that he had which was being an alcoholic like ruined a lot of their life yeah yeah that's you're right i mean it's like the actors right that's the good part is like they just told really really well done stories really good characters that they embodied um and then, like we said, I thought it was super cool that they had the recordings, like the actual source material to base it off of. And the other thing that I thought was really good about this one was that it was such a good accompaniment to Mary Poppins. Like, 
I feel like if I ever do watch Mary Poppins again in the future, this is the next movie that I need to watch every time now. They, they just go hand in hand so well. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And they like the other thing that I want to highlight is the Sherman Brothers. So the musicians that wrote all the music for Mary Poppins. I love that they had them in this movie and like the two actors that played them. And I love that how much they highlighted how uh, Let's Go Fly a Kite was really the turning point that convinced P.L. Travers to want to sign the rights of her film over because they changed the end. They saved Mr. Banks rather than like ending it in a bad way. They decided to change the ending so that it did something more, did what she wanted and saved her father pretty much. Yeah, that's awesome. So what's your rating for this one? I give this movie a giant to all who come to this happy place. Welcome. Very nice. I will give it an uppity Australian writer. Um, Nice. It just, it seems fitting. So what's next? If you guys want to watch along with us, we are going to watch The Love Bug from 1969 because Katie and I had no idea what it was before we watched it and we went in pretty blind. And then after seeing that, we wanted to know, how do you reimagine this movie for a modern audience? So we're going to give a Herbie Fully Loaded a shot, which is from 2005. And it's like the Lindsay Lohan version of that movie. I have no idea what to expect from that. Um, and then we're going to do Mulan from 1998 because Mulan, the live action one, is coming out soon. So we're going to be on theme with that because both of us are probably going to go see that in theaters. Yes. Yes, we are. I've been waiting for this movie to come out. Yeah, it'll be excellent. Um, Don't forget, around the network, we have other stuff. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all of that at geektogeekmedia.com, or you can go to geektogeekmedia.com slash subscribe and get it sent right to you. So a little bit of like Weekly Geekery, where we always just touch on a little bit of what we've been doing. And if you want more, you can go to our other podcasts and dive deep. I'm on the Geek to Geek podcast, and Katie's on multiple podcasts. Um, But Katie, what did you do this week? What do you got for Geekery? Well, BTS's new album came out, uh, Map of the Soul 7. It was amazing. It was sort of this um, love letter to their career for the past seven years and to their fans and how important everything that they've gone through and everything that their fans have gone through standing next, like, by their side has led to, like, where they are in their career right now. And they did, like, it's really, really good. That's all I have to really say. It's so, so good. Cool. Um, And then Chelsea and I finally got it together and released our new podcast because I'm not on enough podcasts. (laughs) So that podcast is called You Can't Stop Me Loving K-Pop because obviously Chelsea and I love K-Pop very much. So it should be available everywhere now. So you can just look it up and then listen and follow us and rate us and love us basically um and then i finished a tv show that i had been watching for a while on netflix which is crash landing on you which is a korean drama that i had started when i was in seattle and i finally finished it today actually and it was very sad at the end and also very happy at the same time so good show cool Big thumbs yeah. up for that you've been one. up to a lot you're always up to a lot it's good um this week i I haven't had a ton of time. I've been very busy with work, but um, I did manage to watch a little bit of Clone Wars because the new season started coming out. 
So I went back and I watched um, a couple of the key episodes at the end of season five and the end of season six, just to kind of like refresh myself, even though I've seen all those before. And then I watched the first two episodes, maybe three episodes of season seven. Um, and it's good so far. So I'm glad that they got another season out of it. And hopefully they'll be able to finally like wrap it up properly in a way that they were never able to before Disney acquired them. Um so we'll see we'll see how season seven ends the Clone Wars because I think it's finally officially ending. And then the other thing that I did this week was Goodreads um, and just trying to get back into Goodreads because it's a really good way to just track books that you're reading and see progress and have it all in one place and be able to go back and browse it and be like, OK, what am I kind of actively reading right now and what are other people up to? And um yeah, I'm just kind of, it's not that I haven't used it before, but I'm almost rediscovering it and just using it more and more to kind of encourage myself to do more reading. So I'm enjoying Goodreads a lot at the moment. I think that's kind of it for this week. You guys can find us all over the internet. Our email address is DisneyForeverPodcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at DisneyEverPod. You can also talk to us in real time by joining our Slack workspace or Discord server. We're over there talking all the time. We are. I blog at agreenmushroom.com. You can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm also on the Geek to Geek podcast with BJ Keaton. I'm also super active on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me at Lady Catherine B. I post about cats, K pop, and coffee. And I'm also the co host on Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And also the new podcast, which is You Can't Stop Me Loving K pop. Yes, I love it. Um, this has been Disney Forever with Katie and Void. We'll be back next week as long as Disney keeps making content. That can't be forever, right? If it is, can they make them like not so emotional? Because that would be really helpful.